once again, everyone, welcome to episode 44 of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your host. I'm Travis. That's Alex. We talk about YouTube and we talk about video games like the ones that we just covered on our respective channels. Alex, you got the shadow out there. The shadow sounds like it'd be a pretty fun, fun time. It sounds dark and mysterious and... But it's not. No, it's actually like a, a ray of sunshine. You know, it's hmm. it's really happy. It's like Wizard of Oz. You know, like spin it. No, I'm being <laughs> difficult because it's called the Shadow. Of course, it's dark. Yeah, no, it's it's a perfectly fine beat 'em up. It never got released because the movie bombed. I think it only made like, I don't know, three million at the box office, and it cost like forty million to make or something like that. I forget. Jeez. Movie's not that bad. Movie's movie's decent. Really, it was kind of ahead of its time. Uh, it's when you see what it was released, uh, what else came out in 94 though, that uh, the year it was released, it's no wonder it got buried because it was like, you had so many legendary movies at the time, like Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, uh, the crow was really, was, I, st- I still think the crow holds up really well. Um, wow. The bu- whole bunch of movies like true lies was awesome. But this, yeah. this stars Alec Baldwin. Uh, known for being in a number of blockbuster films as the lead man. Was he the guy <laughs> in Hunt for Red October? Was was that him? That wasn't Harrison Ford, right? Because that's the only other like blockbuster, <laughs> like big movie I can think of that he, he's been in. Oh, yeah, I guess that was him. Yeah. From back then. Because I remember he was Jack Ryan for a quick second, and then it was uh, Harrison Ford after that when they did Patriot Games and Clear Present Danger and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah, what the hell else was he in? I don't even know. Yeah. I guess uh, I was gonna say, um, yeah, I, I can't even tell you. He was he was host of Saturday Night Live a whole bunch of times back then, but yeah, his filmography is is kind of weak, kind of weak. He's in the Edge. Was he He's... in that Marlboro Man movie? <laughs> was, that, was that a movie? Yeah, know. it was. It was like Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man or something like that. He was in Beetlejuice. He was the. Oh yeah, he yeah. was okay, but that's not an action. No, no, flick. he's in the Getaway, The Shadow. That was the same year, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of movies here I don't recognize. He, he was in The Juror. That sounds like a uh, John Grisham deal. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought you were gonna say that sounds like a real thriller, The Juror. It was based on. It's a legal thriller, a novel by George <laughs> Dawes Green. So somehow. A, a movie about a juror that John Grisham didn't write. So, interesting. Ah, just what are the odds of that? Man. All right, yeah. Anyway, this this has gone into Alec Baldwin corner. We didn't even plan for that, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I just, I can't think of him in many uh, big knockout roles. And uh, Oh, you know, you, you know what he was in was Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And that's go. when he does the ABC Always Be Closing speech, which is hilarious and awesome. That's Coffee's true. for closers. I, need, I have to see that again. It's been too long. Yeah, it's great. It's it's great. Just for uh just for that speech alone, it's it's funny. But anyway. But yeah, I think Alec what's Baldwin. interesting about this the shadow, you know, it's not even a movie I recognize the cover of. I don't think I've ever seen this. I think you showing me the game that never was is the most about this movie I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah, it bombed. Uh went away very quickly, but um I do remember seeing it advertised a little bit and then it went away just as quickly. Um, you know, it's got a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's not like awful. No. You know, most people, most people don't think it's awful anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's the plot, the story's kind of dumb, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's worth checking out if you're, you know, bored on like a Tuesday night or something. 
<laughs> well, it sounds like the game might also be a six out of ten as well. Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. Yeah, six out of ten for the game. Um, just a, a beat em up. It, it it drags a bit. It's it's not that uh, interesting. But you know, some people like beat em ups, and I'm one of those people. So it's it's okay. I just like finding that unreleased treasure. There's something about yeah. that, and especially for a game that's pretty much finished. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's very rare. But um, there's a game, or there there's a game. There's a book called uh bit from Bitmap Books called The Games That Weren't that i own for some reason the shadow is not in this book wow <laughs> i have no idea why but um yeah they go book. back to 1975 with this book and talk about all sorts of games that were made but were canceled at a certain point uh let me pull it up here and i can yeah like there was a game planned for commodore 64 called deadlock and uh it looks cool as hell it looks like some sort of like metroid wannabe thing and it just yeah most of most of the time it's like oh they ran out of money or oh the publisher they the, they couldn't find a publisher for it or something like that i mean it covers everything from like commodore yeah commodore 64 sega saturn uh sega genesis neo geo it's a great book and awesome. it's unlike most you know I, I i know that bitmap books they do a great job with presentation and they do those like coffee table books and you know like pixel art books this one has quite a bit of text you get your money's worth with this one. It's it's a substantial book with a ton a ton to actually read instead of look at. Yeah, I just pulled it up. It's 644 pages. You could kill a man with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a murder weapon. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> All right. That sounds cool. Yeah, I got to get that book. Uh, something that's not as great as that book and not even as great as The Shadow is the game on the NES that I covered this week called To the Earth. Yeah, that... The extremely uh, underwhelming game. <laughs> it's one of those like ahead of its time game. This it seemed like the development is shrouded in mystery. I could not find the people responsible for this game. It was like they were so ashamed of it. They they put a fake name on the form when they mailed it in, and no one can find them because they were like, I don't think we did good. Let's not tell anybody. It's actually, made this. <laughs> it's actually just like a, an elaborate uh, money laundering front. So yeah, they can sell drugs or something like that. Probably, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah it, it's. Uh, I, it's one of those games that is so fucking hard, but I still had fun with it because I'm holding a light gun and firing it around like a cowboy in my house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm failing constantly, but I'm still having... Just the novelty of doing that is still fun to me 35 years later. Uh, but it is hard as hell. And my finger was cramping up. It was nice to see a lot of the commenters today being like, oh yeah, they, that one's tough. Because usually you get the NES nerds in there. They're very masochistic and hell-bent well, on... Well, actually, oh gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah. they're a get good bunch in there. But And they, they seem to be pretty kind to me. They kind of recognize that, like, I'm just there to show it off. I'm not... I'm not trying to take over the world. Uh, but there, it was nice to see the, the nod from some of the guys that, are, that I know are very skilled at NES games be like, oh, yeah, buddy, that one... Uh, like they've seen this like they've, they've seen some shit in in those comments. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I wouldn't go back to to the earth if you paid me. No way. No. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you lose life when you miss is just it seems unnecessarily cruel. Yeah, I guess they didn't want you to just shoot 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 shoot, shoot, shoot all over the place just to win. But that's but what's fun. I know, right? That's what that's what people want to do. That's what I was doing. Why deny people that? That's why my it's finger weird. still has a bit of a, a shake to it. Can can you do the come hither thing with your finger yet, or <laughs> no. is it still cramping? It's still it's pretty it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. Actually, okay. it was funny. The when I after I played that, I went upstairs and I was trying to like hold a drink, and my wife was like, "Why are you? Why is your hand shaking?" I was like, "Oh, I was playing a video game. I guess I'm getting old. <laughs> I guess I'm getting too old." 
It looked, it looked like it had come in from like weed eating or something, you know. It's like shaking all over, but nope, not not that fun. Not that fun. Yeah, no, and all the flashing and stuff that 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 tends to bother me too. Yeah, um, yeah, it gets old. But uh, yeah, uh, the, the I did look at a good game this week though, um, called Xeno Crisis. It's a homebrew that was made in 2019, and it's a homebrew for Sega Genesis, oh. which is pretty pretty cool. And the development team, oh, what are they called? Um, Bitmap, not Bitmap. Is it Bitmap Bureau? Bitmap Bureau. You are correct, sir. Yeah, uh, Bitmap Bureau. They did. Um, they're crazy people because they released <laughs> this on you know all the usual like switch ps4 xbox one you know windows and all that stuff but it's also gotten physical releases on like dreamcast uh both neo geo like the arcade system and the home console system they're they're crazy people wow they're just but, living the dream man they're just like yeah we want to put our stamp on all the stuff we grew up with that's that's cool yeah, and it works because the game is awesome. It's really simple. It's just a top-down Smash TV type shooter, but with all sorts of hideous aliens and you know bosses that take up half the screen. The game is brutally difficult. I can't get past level six. Oh. I think there's seven levels total. Um, I just run out of continue. It's not even that the level six boss is hard. I just run out of continues. I run out of lives. I run out of continues and. Ugh. It's it's and it's not even like a pick up and die type game where you like learn the patterns and stuff like that because uh all the maps and all the rooms are randomly generated. Oh wow. So it's like well I can't even like practice and you know go through like any sort of uh you know like procedure. Like I can't like memorize patterns or anything like that. You you just gotta go in fresh every time. And yeah, even on easy the game is freaking tough as balls <laughs> that's interesting not, though not easy it's, it's how many uh have you done a whole lot of homebrew uh reviews there was like a no. few uh there was like nightmare busters for super nintendo right. uh, but although that wasn't that much of a homebrew that was just an unfinished game that somebody ended up finishing um there was also the god-awful unholy night <laughs> which is that uh, fighting game that was crammed onto a Super Nintendo cartridge. It's like, even though it should have been on Saturn, it's but it, they, they stuck it on Super Nintendo for some dumb reason. Jeez. Yeah, it's and it suffered because of it. Uh, I can't think of, uh, other than those two, I can't remember of any. But so, um, so do these games have like cheat codes or anything that you can use to, you know, bump yourself along, get a little footage from that last stage or at least see it? Not that I know of. No, you just gotta get good. Gotta get good. Get good. Just like the cool kids say. Yeah, man. That's the yeah. thing about neutro. You gotta. You actually have to be good at them because they very rarely come with ways to cheat them. They should though. They should program that in. That's part of the fun. I mean, you, you, they do sell the ROM on their website for fifteen bucks, and you could just get it that way and then just save state your way through it. But I uh-huh. played it on Sega Genesis, and it was. Super fun, totally worth it. Uh, it's one of my. F- it immediately became one of my favorites, just because it's it's got all my favorite stuff. It's got explosions and weapon power ups and hideous monsters. Hell yeah, yeah, good times, great. Can't wait to see the video. All right, because uh, we record this on Wednesday, and you're talking about a Thursday video, just so people at home are like, why don't you watch his channel, Trav? I do. I do watch it. All right, let's go to hell. I'll stop watching it. Um, we we got uh, we got some emails, got some emails here. We're going way back. This is this is from our friend Klaus, and uh, uh. He, it's old because he starts it off with "Happy holidays, guys." 
Uh, well, wait a second, though. He, he might be talking about St. Patrick's Day. He could be. Or what was it, Tartar Sauce Day? I think that came tartar and went. Tartar Sauce Day. <laughs> I think we missed it. Uh, I love me a good tartar sauce. I meant to throw down for that day, but oh well. Anyway, yeah, he says, happy holidays, guys. Uh, I wish you a nice weekend, beginning of the week, summer, winter, wedding, childbirth, graduation, birthday, and or none of the above. So he gets it. He knows. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows. He says, I just listened to uh, podcast number 39, January 2021, in case you read this on the podcast in December of 2024, like you used to, uh, and was shocked by your dismissal of Doom Eternal. You can skip almost every cutscene. I think he's talking scene. about, I think he's, yeah, I think he's talking about my dismissal, not sure. yours. Oh, of course, not mine. I would never. Talk, I'll even reword this. I was shocked by Alex's outright dismissal of Doom Eternal. You can skip almost every cutscene and ignore all lore items found in the game. The game is Doom at its core, just cranked up to 11 and stuffed with cocaine. I loved Doom 2016 to death, Alex, but Doom Eternal makes it look like a shooter your granddad would play. At no. least, oh, look at that. At least spend a few hours in it, skip the cutscenes, and get used to the platforming. The ladder seems tacked on, but it teaches you how to move around in the game even quicker. And once you incorporate that into combat, you will have a blast. Keep up the great work, Klaus slash Hans. And then he follows that up with a PS that says, Alex, stop the bullshit and buy a Switch already. Thanks for the God. sweet email, Klaus. I really appreciate Th- it. Thanks. That's very sweet of you to say thanks. Oh, the whole thing. Um, what a sweetheart, that Klaus. Um, yeah, no, I that it, it, you, you kind of touched on it, though. It's like, yeah, you can skip the cutscenes and all that, but it's like, and get used to the platforming. It's like, <laughs> what does Doom have platforming for? Get get your platforming out of my Doom. <laughs> Ugh. That was that was uh, a huge issue with me for for one thing. Uh, I, I I don't know. I uh, yeah, I probably was too quick to to dismiss it, but it's uh, my attitude is like you know, it's like, well, I already I already. I already like Doom 2016, so why should I, you know, I, I've, I'm getting my Doom fill for that. So I, I don't need find a reason to to get uh, Doom Eternal. I don't need more Dooms if, if I don't have, you know, yeah, Doom 2016. But, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll revisit it and I'll, I'll love it or something like that. I don't know. I hear you. To, get, to give uh, the listeners a bit of a, a Alex stop the bullshit and buy a Switch already update. Ooh. Um they are putting out like a slightly bigger screen. I think it's a seven inch screen uh, for Switch, and I, I hope to get that one because that's all I've been waiting for is just a bigger handheld screen. But you can play it on your TV, Alex. You can yeah, get it all. Your, your TV's <laughs> hey, big. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> would, I would rather play it, you know, while laying on the couch. But the thing, so I can, you know, have a bag of chips on my stomach and. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I hear you. I've had a switch for three years. I've played it docked for about forty total minutes. So I get. I yeah. Get it, yeah. I just want to, you know, I want to like sit on my porch and play it. And, yeah. You know, and sip a drink and stuff like that, but. Um, it was always it was funny hearing it's just like unanimous like laughter from all the all the nerds out there oh the switch is 720p oh they were so bad and it's it's just hilarious because it's like it's a seven inch screen like who cares that's a that's a ton of p for seven inches let me tell you you want (laughs) you want 4k on a seven inch screen okay but um yeah it's uh, that's once that comes out. I think it's coming out this summer, like in June. I'll probably pick that up, along with Mario Odyssey and a bunch of other games. I'm sure. What about Octopath? Is that is that an Alex game? Octopath I have on Steam. I just haven't played it yet. Gotcha. Okay. But I, I'll I will get to that eventually. Uh, this next email we got here is from Peter. 
Hi, Alex and Trav. I'm a little late to this party, but I just discovered Drunk Friend, and now I've got and I've now got a new regular podcast for the Daily Commute. Excellent. Your friendly banter is very easy and enjoyable to listen to, so keep up the good work. Thanks. 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 <laughs> Some extra praise for you, Trav. Don't let it go to your head. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I felt a dagger through my heart when I heard Alex say that in 2013, there didn't appear to be any short form retro games reviews on YouTube. From 2011 to 2013-ish, I spent pretty much every waking moment when I wasn't working a full-time job doing exactly that. Huh. I had a blog with the intention of playing through my entire collection of 8 and 16-bit games, which soon became a regular YouTube channel, and the list of games grew steadily bigger and bigger into the hundreds. Jeez. Eventually, I even went back and remade a couple of the early episodes <laughs> George Lucas style. What, did he put, like, rings around every explosion or something? It's like, I can't see the footage. There's a big dinosaur in it now, Peter. <laughs> God, that freaking guy. Uh, because they were really embarrassingly amateurish. I can relate to that. Over the years, I received so much lovely feedback from people and developed a real little community around my videos. But try as I might, I just could not seem to access a wider audience. It was so frustrating to see videos of absolute garbage getting millions of views while my painstakingly crafted videos could only manage a couple hundred at best. I'm mostly, I'm mostly at peace with it now. He doesn't sound bitter at all, I'll just say. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound bitter at all, yeah. Over the years, I, I tried everything that anyone suggested to me to get more people watching, but nothing worked. I've been feeling a bit nostalgic these last few weeks as it's just hit 10 years since I started uploading my videos. I still get people asking me if I'm going to go back and do the 3264-bit era, and my very polite answer is, heck no, <laughs> winky face. I'm so proud of what I achieved but that was at a specific era in my life, and I just don't have that kind of time to dedicate to a project like this anymore. Anyway, I hope your 2021 is excellent, and I hope, er, I'm sorry, and I look forward to hearing more of your podcast. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, thanks. Sorry about your YouTube trouble. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, don't, I don't know, like, I don't know what, I mean, I think the, the more, the further I get into this YouTube thing, the more I, I realize what worked and what doesn't and what people don't care about. Like, I thought it was all, like, schedule, you know, like, uh, and, and that, that is a big part of it. Like, you know, so people, you build trust with your audience and people know when to expect new content. Um, then I thought it was, you know, just the format, uh, which kept things, you know, as, as no bullshit as possible. I do think there's a lot to be had in going outside of just regular game reviews and doing something. Like, I told, uh, I told Trav, I, you know, it's a running gag at this point. Like, all you got to do is just put hardest or toughest <laughs> yeah. or most difficult in the in the uh, in the title of your video. And you will get a bunch of randos telling you, like, how such and such game isn't actually hard or how it is hard or this isn't hard or your list is stupid. People love lists. They love arguing about lists. Uh, in my Discord earlier today, we, we had a big brouhaha about um, Rolling Stone's top 100 movies <laughs> of uh, the 90s. Uh, and it was like, what is, you know, it's like they have Billy Madison on there. It's like, look, Billy Madison's funny, but it's not a top 100 movie. That Where I was Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, huh? It wasn't on there oh. at all, I don't think. They freaking Saving Private Ryan wasn't on there. Oh, like it was. That's a miss. Yeah, it was crazy. It's, it's a bad list, but anyway, yeah. But that proves my point, though, is that lists pe get people going. Uh, it might seem like a cop out, but it's not if you come up with a neato, you know, uh, list topic. Come up with something that's, uh, you know, like John Riggs has been really good about that lately, where he has been cranking out like 
games uh atari 2600 games that were that could have worked really well on nes and he lists like river raid and you know uh, uh yars revenge and stuff like that and then he goes on to any uh snes games that could have worked on nes and that's when he had me come in and and uh what was my answer for that again i can't even remember <laughs> <laughs> jesus i'm getting old but he had like goof troop and stuff like that so um oh yeah mine was a uh, mario rpg oh yeah of course. um as long as you could do that as like a zelda 2 type game which would would be really cool in my opinion but but yeah no it's it's uh it's not just a simple matter of showing up and throwing stuff out there it's i, I mean i i'm sure you know he says he tried everything and you know he solicited feedback from lots of people and i'm sure he did you know quality work but um yeah sometimes it just doesn't work out for whatever reason yeah and the important thing is if you made those and you had fun doing it and it was a big part of your life i mean at least you can look back on it and be proud of it that's sort of the spirit of which i made my channel was eh, i don't care if it makes it or whatever i just i really want to tackle uh this library and get to know these games more and that's been fulfilling so the the real reward were the friends you made along the way no in your case it's 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 funny because um uh your nes collection is massive so you're doing yourself a, a solid by yeah. going through each some of these games so you actually know what they are so when somebody comes over and is like what the hell game is this you you actually have an answer for it yeah or at least a url for sure <laughs> right but yeah yeah thanks peter uh thanks, okay peter. next email here is from a man who simply or i don't know maybe it's not a man i'm sorry from a person who simply goes by reverb very mysterious Hel hmm. hello drunk friends uh, while playing the retro sports video games that you guys grew up with, would you play as your favorite teams, even if they were terrible? I have been an Anaheim Ducks, formerly Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, fan since they came into the league in 1993, and one of my all-time favorite video games is NHL 94. The Mighty Ducks are the, or the Mighty Duck, rather, I guess is how you say it uh, correctly. The Mighty Duck are the, are easily the worst team in the game, but it feels wrong to play as anyone else. Some games, such as Tecmo Super Bowl, have some teams that are basically unplayable, like New England or Indianapolis. Just curious if you guys were always ride or die with your favorite teams, or if you would play as a better team to make the game more fun. Thank you guys for all the content you create, for the introductions to so many of your fantastic guests, and for all of your banter about 90s baseball players, especially my boy, Tim Salmon. Tim Salmon. Yeah. There you go. That doesn't get much more 90s than that. It doesn't. Raphael Belliard. Uh, I hope you both have a great <laughs> rest of your podcast. That Raphael Belliard was mine, by the way. Kelly Gruber. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Tino Martinez. Okay, so- Jesse Barfield. Oh, man. You really go deep. That's what I respect. Mel Hall. <laughs> Those those guys are more 80s, I think, though. But Doug Drabeck. Hmm. Very good. Uh, anyway. Yeah. What's your answer to this one? I I do play as my favorite team most of the time, even if they're bad. So in baseball, that's the White Sox. Uh I don't I don't do hockey, so for that I would just pick whoever. But uh, you know, basketball, I kinda pick who I liked in the era. I don't really have an attachment to an NBA team, but there are like specific years where I like certain teams more than others. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of gravitate more toward that versus um, I guess what would make the game more fun. But I, if I do start something like a dynasty or something like that, I want to build up a shitty team. So usually like in the college football games, I'm picking like somebody who's complete ass. Like Tulane. Probably. 
Yeah. Or, uh, Miami yeah, of Ohio has like, been a go-to before. Make them a powerhouse <laughs> just so that regular Miami gets upset. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, I, I've, I've mentioned this before. Uh, I, it was probably right around when we first started this podcast, but um, there was a fellow that worked for uh, SB Nation that did a NB, or, uh, NCAA Basketball 2K8 um, dynasty with Western Illinois and uh you create your own coach and you play it allows you to play for 40 years he's on like year 31 now <laughs> he's still at Jeez. it and he's won like 10 national titles <laughs> well i like that he didn't he hasn't won 30 national titles i like that it's yeah it's actually it's not like it's like ucla believable so to speak and it was super exciting at the beginning where um uh, he he wasn't really supposed to be good. Like he was, you know, he was a 13 seed in the NCAA tournament, and he was facing like Kansas and Duke in the first round. And every once in a while, he'd pull off the up. Uh, his team would pull off the upset. Um, and he, awesome. everything was simulated. He's not playing the games oh, himself. Okay, he's just uh, simming, and he's re- he, all the recruiting and uh, that stuff is being done by him. Right, and um, it's it's really it's really kind of a cool system in the game too. But um. Yeah, he uh, he's still at it. He's got like ten national titles. It's pretty funny because he's uh, he's been at it for a year now, and he does these giant write ups for SB Nation on it. It's pretty cool. Gotta love the dedication, for sure. So, what's your answer here? You, my answer for this, I always have. I go with the Twins. I go with the Vikings, and I go with uh, the Minnesota Wild or the North Stars, depending on the game. I, I there's but there's always like a cool team. Uh, or at least when I was a kid, like the cool team, the, like just the fun team that has, you know, a lot of uh, just fun players that uh, I remember uh, the year the Mariners had Randy Johnson and Griffey Jr. And um, they uh, beat the Yankees in the playoffs and um, they went to the ALC. They were just a fun team to root for because they had, you know, it had been forever since Seattle saw any success. And it's and it's Griffey. So I would play uh, as Seattle a lot. I would play as Houston a lot because I love Jeff, Jeff Bagwell mm, yeah. and, and his goofy stance. For NBA, I would always be like Shaq or with you know Penny Hardaway or you know if if they if they're even in the game in the first place. Right. But um, yeah, no, there's there, there's always my hometown team, and then there's like the cool team. I remember uh, I had NHL '96, and um, the Avs weren't the Avs yet, and they were still the Nordiques, but they still had this loaded roster with like Joe Sackick. Um, Peter Forsberg was the goaltender. Actually, was Patrick Wild the goaltender at that point? I don't know. I think you have to <laughs> trade him to make that happen. But um, once you get him on there, it's like a, such a stacked team. It's awesome. So, yeah, I, I try and do both. Do you, are you always? Did, did you get bored with doing Virginia Tech on your on your uh, dynasty stuff? Or well, it, it typically when you would like when those games existed, Virginia Tech was actually good. So it wasn't much of a challenge to make them good enough to where the game was boring. So yeah. it was always in, in those games, like even the high difficulty after a while, you could get really good or you could at least recruit to a point where no one could compete with you. And it made it kind of not fun. So I would just pick <laughs> a shitty college team and stay with them for like five years and build them up. And there would at least be some drama and excitement <laughs> in there. Uh, I do remember though, you unlocked a memory for me. For some reason I had NBA live 98 on a, on my PC for some reason mm. back in the Dizay. And I played a whole season 
for whatever reason, as the Portland Trailblazers with like Steve Smith and Damon Stoudemire and like Sabonis. <laughs> like, oh, Arvidas Sabonis. Yeah, wow. the big keg. Uh, that <laughs> it was wild that I did that. Just think about it on a PC with WS WASD and mouse. Oh dang! Like with yeah, the mouse. Yeah. Well, I didn't really and use mouse. It was all keyboard, but um, for the in, for the game itself. But yeah, yeah, yeah I can't believe That's I crazy. did that. Yeah. It was fun. I would <laughs> actually run plays what? too. That was insane. That was a big nerd. Why'd you pick Portland? I really like Damon Stoudemire. <laughs> oh, that's right. You've talked about that before. Yeah. You're a you're a you're a Stada fan. I don't know why. I so. just I felt I think it was one of those things where like all of my friends like their players like in my group there was like a Kevin Garnett oh, guy sure. and a guy yeah. and a guy guy and everybody had a guy and they were collecting cards for those guys and you can't pick another guy's guy because then you got to split the cards you got to broker deals so I picked a guy nobody that, my guy didn't have any guys so I picked Damon Stoudemire so now <laughs> I have way too many Damon Stoudemire cards and a memory of playing NBA Live '98 way too much thanks Damon nice. Yeah, I went through the same thing with, um, you know, every kid liked Griffey, every kid liked Frank Thomas, you know, Kirby Puckett, or, you know, since we're in Minnesota, Chuck Knobloch was a big one here. But so I wanted to pick a guy, my guy, the guy that I picked, that guy mm-hmm. is going to be Jeff Bagwell. Right on. And he ended up panning out for me because he won the uh, MVP award in 1994. Uh, he was a total badass. He's in the Hall of Fame now. So I picked a good guy. You did. Uh, but yeah, that's it. So we did a lot of sports corner there. If people are still with us, which I hope they are, we're about to break into some arcade corner with our guest coming up. Uh, he's unmatched, really, when it comes to cluttering a basement with video games. Now I have a bunch of video games in my basement. They're all on shelves, though. Just, pl- just that's not all you have in your basement. That's true. That's true. And I'll, I'll set that person free eventually. But <laughs> when it comes to video games, I got way too much plastic nonsense down there. But you want to know who has even more plastic nonsense than me? Michael B. the Game Genie. He's got a lot of arcade cabinets down there, the one-up cabinets. And if if you're interested in those, he's the go-to guy. Yeah, his his uh um <laughs> his revelation of uh how quickly his arcade obsession grew over the course of a year is is pretty funny. Made us laugh. But um yeah, he's the guy when it comes to he's the guy. Speaking of guys. He's the guy when it comes to one-up cabinets. That's right. You know, he talks about whether or not they're worth it, whether or not, um, you know, they're they're well-made, if what kind of upkeep they require, uh, the kind of wear and tear they accumulate, if they accumulate any at all, the games we want to see one-up tackle. And, of course, he's a huge wrestling fan, so we got to talk some wrestling. There's wrestling, for sure. So stick around for some Michael B., the Game Genie. All right, Michael B., the Game Genie, thanks so much for joining us here on episode 44 here. We really appreciate you stopping by way out there in Newfoundland, which has its own time zone. How's it going out there in your own time zone? It's pretty good. You know, we've got our own little place in the world etched out here where we kind of just do whatever we want, I guess. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, because I was thinking like I'm in the Eastern time zone and it's 8.08 p.m. right now. And it's like nine thirty something there where you are, right? Yeah, nine thirty eight. But you're, you're like, how does that work? Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. You, does you that complicate yeah, your life? You've played, you've played Time Lord for NES. You don't mess with the Time Lord. <laughs> That's true. That's you would think that would have taught me something, but I'm really bad at time zone math anyway. With the four time zones that I'm used to thinking about, you add one in there that has a half hour and it's ahead of the East Coast. And I don't know how you stand it. Does it actually, I mean, I'm sure you're used to it, but 
Does it get complicated trying to be like, what time does Jeopardy come on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, because everybody else's time zone is easy. Like, if something comes on at 5 Eastern, they can just calculate by an hour. But we got the extra half hour, which makes it a little complicated sometimes. I I only actually told you guys half the story, too, because our province is actually Newfoundland and Labrador. So it's the island I'm on, which is the actual Newfoundland section. And then we have a big chunk right off the um, side of Quebec, which is called Labrador. And they actually have a different time zone than we do. So it's Newfoundland, which is on Newfoundland standard time. And then Labrador, which is on uh, like Atlantic time. So they're actually a half hour uh, behind us. I think that's the right way to say it. So we have two time zones in our province. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, That complicates things. That that time lord, I'm telling you. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it, but I mean, I want to ask about like shipping out there because you get in, you, we're going to get into those one up arcades here <laughs> yeah. in a second. I got to know if that's a complication being where you are, but let's just go ahead and jump into all that. So, how the hell can you afford all the room for these one up cabinets you're accruing? <laughs> well, I've got a very patient wife, and that's the uh, first part. <laughs> that's, that's uh, it always starts yeah, there. <laughs> very patient wife. So um, we actually bought a house, and uh, our house that we purchased uh, when she finished law school was an income property, so we had an apartment down in the basement. So we had our house upstairs, and then we had a tenant in the basement. And when we ended up having our daughter, we didn't feel comfortable any longer renting out the basement because a lot of times you don't always get the best tenants. So we actually uh, turfed the tenant, and uh, we took over the basement. So... That's kind of where I got the space because pretty much I, I've got full reign of our entire basement, which used to be an apartment. So that's the space. Now, how can I afford them? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just basically <laughs> stopped like buying every every other little piddly thing and saving up for these. And I had a really nasty habit where I used to smoke and I quit smoking last year. And that certainly helped being able to... Uh, you know, have a little bit of extra cash to pick up these arcades. And I mean, what kid oh. What kid didn't want an arcade in their basement growing up? So I'm living a dream. Right oh, on. Of course, yeah. Congratulations on making it a year. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty freaking cool. That's It's kudos to you. Thank you. But yeah, uh, uh, roughly how many uh, do you have uh, down there? It looks like you have at least, uh, I want to say, eight? I, I actually have, of the arcade one-up cabinets, I have 14. And of I've also got an II arcade and I've also got an at games legends ultimate. So 16 different machines in there now. And like every one of them, like all the arcade one ups play at least three to four games. And like the II arcade and the at games legends ultimate, they're like multi-cades. So, I mean, there's like thousands of games on my at games legends ultimate and the II arcade has like modern games that sometimes aren't even arcade games. It's like Wonder Boy, uh, Wonder Boy and the Monster's Trap is on this thing hmm, in sure. an arcade cabinet. So, yeah. It's almost like the modern version of the old, uh, what did they call it? The Play play Action 10 or something? Yeah, Play Choice 10. Where, play Choice 10, that's yeah. what it was, yeah. I got football on the brain, I guess, Play <laughs> Action. <laughs> but um, has Arcade 1UP ever reached out to you? And are, are they aware of your channel? Uh, I think so. Like, um, I'm friends with uh, John D, who's their uh, head of licensing and other things like on Facebook. And we've talked a couple times, but they've never reached cool. out to me in an official capacity and like said, you know, good job or, you know, nothing like that. Interesting. I was going to bring up that I just watched um, in preparing for this. I watched your video from I guess it was about a year ago this month. Uh, and you you did like a thing where 
you were saying that, you know, you have an issue, you might be addicted to one up arcade <laughs> cabs. And you said, you know, it's getting really serious. I have four of these things. Yeah. So it's interesting that in the last year you've accrued 10. That's, that's nearly one a month. That's insane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. Well, it's like you said, who wouldn't want a freaking arcade yeah. in their in their basement? Yeah. It's, it's pretty freaking cool, and it looks awesome. Thank you. So are there any one-up arcade cabs that haven't come out yet or that, that, that don't exist but you think should? Are there any that you know, you're hoping that they come out with? Oh, so many. Like, uh, I I'm, I'm a, grew up in the 80s. I was born in the 80s, but like my arcade experience is really late 80s to mid 90s. So there's a bunch like I'm a huge GI Joe fan too, so there's a GI Joe arcade game by Konami that I love that I will do everything in my power to will into existence for arcade one up to make this cabinet. It wasn't the most popular <laughs> arcade game, but I love it, so I would love to see them do that. Um I love Robotron 2084. I think we're going to get a cabinet mm. that's going to be like that. I think we're going to get a Smash TV cabinet that's going to have Robotron and um Oh, Total Carnage on it as well. But I would rather have Robotron be the uh, head game on that because of the arcade history. And I, I mean, of course, everybody wants a Donkey Kong cabinet, but it's probably not going to happen because Nintendo don't like to play with others. So those are just some right. of the ones I'd yep. like to see. Seems like there should be eventually like a uh, one-up arcade cabinet that has like gun mounts. Yes. That way you could do uh, Terminator 2, the arcade game. You could do G.I. Joe. There's another game I'm thinking of, I can't remember the name of, where you're on a boat and you're shooting stuff and it's like kind of a third person over the shoulder thing. What is that game called? It's like Outback or something like that. Oh, I don't know that one. Um, yeah, it's, there, there's a bunch of, uh, there's Cabal, of course, Yeah. but there's a, uh, Operation, Operation Wolf. There's, there's a bunch that they could throw on there. Uh, you, you could even manage Lethal Enforcers. Yeah. Revolution X. But, but, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> Revolution X. Oh, no. <laughs> Your music is a weapon <laughs> or not. Yeah. Not when it's Aerosmith big ones. No, sorry, Trav. Oh, sorry, come on. Trav. Come on. Sorry, Trav. Low blow. But, um, yeah, it's exciting to hear about, you know, the stuff that they could do. Um, I'm curious, you know, we know through, uh, watching your channel that you're a big wrestling guy. Yep. So it would be pretty awesome if if they got together with WWE and uh, I could think Technos Japan were the were the folks that did WrestleFest, WWF Superstars, yeah. get those on a cabinet with the decals and the artwork and all that would be amazing. Yeah, big time. I mean, it'll never happen. If there's one license that's probably even more complicated to get than uh, Donkey Kong, it's wrestling, right? So yeah, uh, they did probably <laughs> they did they did NBA Jam last year, and I mean that was a licensing nightmare because you first got to get the NBA to sign off on it, then you got to get Midway to sign off on it, and then it's okay if you get a deal with the NBA Players Association. But then what happened was there was a couple players, like uh, most notably Reggie Miller, that were outside the NBA um, Players Association. So then they had to try to negotiate individual deals with Reggie Miller, and they couldn't get them. So they actually couldn't provide exactly the accurate NBA Jam arcade round we all remember because they didn't have the licensing rights. So they had to modify a little bit. And thankfully... Uh, Oh, I, I should know. Code Mystics did an excellent job figuring out ways around that and developed a good cabinet. Wrestling is the same story because 
Um, basically, they have, would have to get WWF to agree to it and then get Technos on board. And they're probably going to throw in a third game. So it means bringing Midway back in to do WrestleMania, the arcade game. Throw that on the cabinet as well. Then they have to get all the wrestlers to agree to it. That's okay because a lot of them have Legends contracts. But then what about the guys that don't have Legends contracts? Most notably with WrestleFest, you have Smash from Demolition in the game. Smash from Demolition is also right now suing the WWE for the concussion lawsuit. So even if Smash did agree, Uh-oh. WWE might turn around and say, no, we don't want him in the game. So, I mean, it's a nightmare to try to get WrestleFest. I would love nothing more than to have an accurate WrestleFest cabinet in my house, but I, I find it very hard to believe we're going to get it. Yeah, I, I want to say Honky Tonk Man has a beef with uh, WWF, what's or WWE, I should say, too. I, I don't think they're on the greatest of terms either. So yeah, and he's in WWF Superstars. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, they, I, that's those are all great points and very disappointing yeah. points, unfortunately. But, but uh, yeah. I, I so who did I, I'm curious now who did they end up replacing Reggie Miller with on the Indiana Pacers? And this would have been like '93. <laughs> I think the other guy on the Pacers was Chuck Person. Maybe Smith. So it probably would have been like Rick Smiths. Or I'm like, who else was on the pace? Dale Davis, uh, McKee. For, uh, I'm, for some reason, I want to say Detlef Shrimp. Detlef Shrimp, <laughs> great De- name. Detlef Shrimp was uh, the other guy in the Pacers. I thought what they did was, unfortunately, um, they cloned the guys. So like uh, on Seattle, uh, the other player, I can't remember if it was Gary Payton at the time or not, but the other player they couldn't get. So they had Sean Kemp, and then the other player on Seattle was a duplicated Sean Kemp. So it, it threw everything awry at first. Th- that's what they did. They didn't bring in any new guys. They just duplicated the other teammate. And NBA Jam's the only game where it's really bad because you, you can't really change in a player. I mean, like when you mm-hmm. get the tournament edition and then the other one was NBA Hang Time, there's like five or six guys you can choose from. So if a couple guys weren't in the game, not a big deal. You could just pick other people. But NBA Jam, yeah. it, it really sucked because they had clone guys. They basically clone camp and then everybody kind of complained we didn't like the clone camp so then they did a color swap like have you guys ever seen the movie grandma's boy where the guy walks into uh, dante i don't know if it's dante no i can't remember his name now but he walks in and he goes yeah the cheapest thing to do is just like a palette swap and <laughs> that's what they did in this like after everybody complained about the duplicate sean camps they went in and they just made the duplicate player gray so you can tell the difference between the two so it's kind of funny uh, that's crazy that's hilarious yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I I understand the frustration with two Sean Kemp's. Yeah, but at the same time, you have two bleeping Sean Kemp's <laughs> on the same team. And the guy was amazing back then. He was the Rain Man. He could dunk over anybody. He was like six foot seven or something. He's a power forward. He's oh, a yeah. huge dude. Yeah, he had range. Like yeah. man, give me give me a team with two Sean Kemp's. <laughs> yeah, people people forget how good Sean Kemp was. Like when he first started, I remember oh, man. he won the dunk competition with the forearm across the eyes, hidden dunk, and uh, they remember him more for his days in Cleveland when he was a little bit stockier. So. <laughs> That's putting it lightly. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he gained a little weight, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> so with these one up arcade, with these one up arcade cabinets, um, with, with the ones that you've owned for a while and you've played for a while, have you had any issues with wear and tear or any malfunctions or anything like that with any of the machines yet? Any maintenance that you've had to do? No. And I, I'm super thankful for that because I am not a technical, electronic technical guy. So, I mean, if something goes wrong, I'm just like, well, that's gone. I'm just going to have to buy another one. 
But uh, luckily, <laughs> the only thing that's ever happened uh, was I noticed my Street Fighter, one of my Street Fighter co- control for the player one, I was having a really hard time doing Hadoukens on it, and I've always had trouble with my semicircles to do them anyways. So I said, oh, it's just probably me. But it turns out uh, my control panel actually was broken. And eventually, I ended up having a major problem with it. And luckily, there's like a really cool community around this stuff, and especially here in Canada. So I reached out on the Canadian page and just said, you know, I'm looking to buy a replacement part. Uh, Arcade One Up, their website provides replacement parts if you need to buy anything, but the shipping is pretty expensive here, and sometimes the stock's not always there. But someone else in the community said, I've got a Street Fighter control panel. I'll send it to you. Really cheap, cheap shipping. So. You know, uh, we've got a good community and we take care of each other. So that was pretty awesome. That's the only real problem I had other than uh, issues out of the box that uh, got fixed pretty easily by Arcade one That's really good to hear. That's a really good endorsement. Yeah. So when it comes to these, I, I want to know, because in watching your videos, I know that there are variations of some of the cabinets. And it, yeah. it seemed like uh, maybe Miss Pac-Man being one that I remember specifically had, I think it was that one, had a few variants. Oh. Yeah. And so when it comes to that, I mean, excluding stuff like that, like variant stuff, how many of what's available do you have? Like, do you have, are you going for the whole one-up arcade collection? I'm kind of curious as to like, if you have a goal in mind, are you just grabbing what you like? It changes day to day. (laughs) So uh, when I first started, I made a point of saying, uh, because you remember I had four, I was like, you know what, I'm only going to buy the cabinets that really meant a lot to me growing up. So Obviously, uh, with my age, I'm 40. I turned 40 last year. So obviously, like Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2 were huge, huge uh, arcade uh, pillars for me growing up. NBA Jam is another one that I got later. But uh, then you get a game like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was really like the first game that really brought me into the arcades. I'm a huge beat-em-ups guy, so when I saw that Final Fight was available, and especially the extra games on the Final Fight cab. Uh, it was those four. I said, if I could just get those four. But then I got those, and I started getting interested in the arcade hobby. And, you know, I've I've been on YouTube for uh, eight, nine years now and been watching it forever. So, of course, once you get a little bit interested in a hobby and you know a little bit about YouTube, you go back and you start watching people that you know. So I started watching, like, uh, Arcade Impossible and then John's Arcade. And then that gets into a rabbit hole where you're watching all this classic arcade stuff. And then you're like, you know, maybe I want to add a Pac-Man, too. Well, you know, maybe I want to add that Star Wars cabinet. And then before you know it, you got 14 <laughs> cabinets in your basement. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. I mean, you know, it's it's like uh, like how you said it earlier. It's, um, you know, I could be spending, you know, 200 bucks a week on freaking Smirnoff. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or something something awful for me. But instead, I you know I, I'm picking up Super Nintendo games, Sega Genesis games, or you know just playing stuff online or whatever. It could, you know, it's it's if you got the space for it, and your setup looks freaking cool as hell. I was curious about um, the way you shoot stuff with your camera. Um, that since you're more of like a point and film guy with your channel, and uh, you know SNES drunk, NES friend, we're both team no face, yeah. no film, yeah. all footage. <laughs> yeah. um, is that something that you had to learn how to do, like set up lighting and filming and shooting and stuff like that, or did you already have experience with that? No, no experience. Everything is purely um, error, <laughs> uh, trial and error. In fact, I made a video. Um, I got a new camera uh, years ago, and uh, 
I love it, but I also hate it because it's a DSLR Canon camera and like I love the video it takes. But at the same time, I, I'm like a one man operation and I hate that it doesn't have autofocus. So I, I made like the worst TurboGrafx-16 mini review ever because I had to shoot more uh, on camera things and I didn't want my face to be uh, blurred. So I, I didn't change the focus. So there's a load of blurry... Uh, footage from the TurboGrafx-16 and I, I heard about it. So, no, I, I, I've i never had any experience. I've never had any schooling. It's all just, I watch other people. I watch what they do. Um, and if I really can't figure it out on my own, I'll try to watch a video and learn how to do something. Sure. It's just, it just goes to show, like, you know, you don't have to be an expert when it comes to this kind of stuff. There's no. resources out there that you can get to and, and just learn how to do it. If you need to know a specific thing, there's resources that you can access to, to get to know this stuff. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like the most, I don't know what the right term for it is, like the most non creative guy in the world, too. It's the weird thing. Like, I have a business huh. degree and, you know, I, I work for a charity in my uh you know i'm an administrator mostly finance type guy so uh writing scripts and doing the stuff on camera is just all passion and not something i'm acclimated to at all i think that's interesting, interesting. yeah because i was going to ask you know you mentioned that your channel goes back about eight years or so and yeah i always go back and look at people's early stuff of course and youtube was a little bit different back then there were such things as like re like reply videos oh, yeah. and <laughs> And things like that were pretty, pretty popular. Uh, when you started the channel, what, you know, did you just, what, what did you see it as then versus now? Like at what point did it, not saying that it's a complete legitimate uh, thing outside of a hobby for you, I know it's still a hobby, but at what point were you like, wow, I need to, I could get really serious about this and, and, and do more with it. Never, still never. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mainly I started my channel just because. I felt like that's what you should do because I was watching all these other people uh, put out content and YouTube was a weird place back then too. So uh, I just mm. thought it was a, you know, kind of like a good way to connect with people. So mostly what I did was I started a channel and did what everybody else at the time was doing. I just did a pickup video and then I did a couple of response videos. Then I made some friends and we had a really good community at first where we I have a friend by the name of Ed and he had a show called Top 3 Tuesday that he used to do every Tuesday. And there were some really cool people that every Tuesday would watch his video and then do video responses. And he would always promote somebody and have somebody from that community on to oh. be the guest host. And then we would all do video responses. And I met so many cool people in the early part of YouTube that became like friends still to this day, just for us making video responses and communicating with each other. So my channel basically started out as a way to get involved with that community. That was when YouTube, yeah, YouTube actually tried to promote itself as a genuine, you know, organic community. Yeah. I remember back in, you know, 2011, 2012, uh, people would upload trivia contests um, and you would film yourself watching the video and <laughs> listing the answers. It was it's, it's almost like how test proctoring is done today, yeah. where if you have to take like a, a placement test online, you have to be on webcam. You, you can't have your phone nearby and you <laughs> and you post the, res the YouTube response in, you know, directly from the original video. And the, it's it. 
it's I hate that they got rid of that because it was a really cool way to interact with people in an organic way that uh you know it's it was so much better than than comments because not only did you have a face to the name but you had a voice to the name you got to see the people you got familiar with people I'm always going to be bitter about them getting rid of YouTube responses it, it makes me mad yeah but anyway <laughs> yeah m- me too but I, I do understand to to some extent why it was done because Unfortunately, when you have something so cool as that, some people will yeah. find a way to use it in the wrong way. And I know that, of course, like yeah. you know, you snest drunk now. You put out a video, you get so many views on it. Immediately, people would just take random videos and try to tag it to your video as a video response to promote themselves. So there was a lot of that happening, and I know that a lot of maybe the bigger YouTubers were complaining to YouTube that that was happening, and that's probably why that happened. Mm. Heck, it happens in the comments yeah. where I get people saying, you know, they, they, they don't even, you know, they go to the, the video with the most views on my channel and they just, all, they don't even leave a comment other than just a link to their channel. It's pretty ridiculous. And it's so rude. Like, uh, when, yeah. when we, <laughs> we did YouTube back in the, back then, um, I remember our small community would get so mad because someone would write you and say sub for sub. And like, we thought that was the height of, you know, too much, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Posting like your channel just like that. That's rude. So people still do that on Twitter. Like freaking follow for follow. It's like, that's not how it works. Nobody cares. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's a really good way to to I guess get the sub count up and your view count will stay low and that looks worse to me for some reason. <laughs> like, it does. It really does. It yeah. looks worse. So Michael, I noticed uh, you know again pouring through this catalog of yours that goes back eight years over the last year and maybe it was because uh, there's a giant world event that kept us at home. Yeah. Uh, you, you were streaming a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, I actually I tried streaming a couple of years ago pretty regularly because it was just something I thought was fun. It was new. Um, so what I was doing was I came up with I, a long time ago, started doing these videos called Game and Watch. That was just I would play a game and people could watch me do it just because everybody else was doing it. And I thought it was fun and maybe I could do something a little unique. Uh, so then when I started to learn about how to do it, like actually do it uh, on YouTube. I tried it for a couple of years, but uh, again, the apartment I took over, which is not part of my house, the internet was terrible down there and I was just having all kinds of problems with connectivity. So I kind of gave it up. Now this past year, um, I have bought a new computer, moved upstairs. So I'm in a position where it seems to be working again. So I've been doing a lot more of it, but uh, I've also started doing live shows with people too. Uh, I got, involved in this arcade community and i met some really good people i'm on a show that comes on every friday called super game room dudes so i got my buddy p-dubs arcade loft Rostalgia, who's another canadian and a guy by the name of detroit love and we talk about gaming news and arcade stuff every friday night and that's been a lot of fun it's really uh, introduced me to a lot new a lot of new people that i never knew before in a different community so that's really cool and uh, I've been lucky enough to be on some of the other shows. Like just this past Friday, I did Double Duty and I was on another show called uh, The Retro Buzz with Cool Toy and uh, Steven to Tech Buzz and Glenn's Retro Show. And I, I, I like doing that. It's a really cool community. A lot of the people go from show to show and they're good. And yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. So uh, mainly, you know, you brought up the point that this past year has not been so great. Everybody's kind of home. 
And uh, I, I mentioned it last time I was on the Retro Buzz. Uh, I figured, not that I think I'm a celebrity or important or anything like that, but if I could jump back on YouTube and start doing more stuff, uh, you know, maybe it would help a couple people that were all stuck home doing nothing. I'm not trying to... What's the term people use before they accuse me of virtue signaling? I'm not trying to virtue signal. It just seemed like a good distraction for people <laughs> and maybe a good distraction for me while I was home as well. Yeah, that makes that's right how this on. podcast started. Alex and I were like, well, uh, we might as well do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's, that's been going around. I, I got to ask, though, you know, because streaming is obviously, you know, when you think of streaming, you typically think of Twitch. But on YouTube, it's interesting because you can have a following and then start streaming well after you hit, you know, thousands of subs. And now suddenly thousands of people can just hop into your stream. You don't have to go through the growing pains of building a Twitch following. So what's it been like to just hop in and just have a lot of people ready to talk? You don't you don't get the you don't get the the, the perk of going through the growing pains of having four or five people there and getting over your <laughs> awkward. You got to be awkward in front of a bunch of people to start. So what, <laughs> has it taken a while to warm up? Do you feel like you're getting better at it or used to it or? No, uh, you never. <laughs> I, I've never, you know, felt really super comfortable, like especially if I'm playing a game, like I'll be playing something that, you know, I've probably beat a thousand times. And then like I just start playing horrible and I'm like, what am I doing? Like I, I could beat Batman on the NES like blindfolded but here i'm stuck on the second level it doesn't make any sense that kind of stuff happens and you get in your head uh i did a couple shows that are just talking at the camera the last couple times just you know because that's such a cool thing to do like when you're playing games and people are in your chat talking to you it's still very hard to actually communicate them you miss so many comments because you're also focusing on the game so i've just done this show i call it chill and chat with michael b where uh, I'll talk about a subject, but really I, I, the subject is not even important. I'm just there to talk to the people that show up and it's a chance to connect right back to them. And that's been going really good. If anybody watched it, they would see that I'm probably the most uh, uh, all over the map person in the entire world. I don't know if I stayed on topic once in the two streams I've done like that, but it's been fun talking to people at least. That works, yeah. Kind of going back to your channel, though, for a little bit. Um, the backing music, uh, we were curious about what you use in your videos for, for music. It's always, like, this high-quality stuff. Is there any one place that you go for this music or any particular artist that you go to? Uh, it, it's kind of all over the place. Uh, lately, uh, for the last couple of months, I've mainly just been using YouTube's uh database because i assumed that uh, that way i wouldn't get in trouble because i started getting in a lot of trouble with youtube where they were always questioning where i got the music and i mean it's a lot of work like uh if you use video game covers you're gonna go out you're gonna go find a really cool video game cover that someone did then you kind of got to get their permission to use it so a lot of times i always use like uh, metal covers of video game music because you were always safe then youtube wouldn't come after you for it's not a copyright strike, but the copyright claim, which then demonetizes your video, which means it's not going to get yes. shared. And it's just a problem. I don't really care about the money so much. That's never been the motivation. But it would really bother me if I put like, you know, 10 and 11 hours into a video and then no one watched it because I put the wrong kind of music in there. So lately, it's just been the YouTube uh, resource they've got there in studio that you can go and pick songs from. And then I try to figure out what song's going to work best of that database to put in the video itself sure yeah and speaking from experience the three the the magic three the big three that uh i can't use 
that I've been uh, co- not copy. I don't get co- copyright strikes don't really happen no. uh, that much anymore. Um, now, I think uh, the, the people that own the music are just like, OK, go ahead and use that. But we're going to freaking claim the rights to your video and we're going to put as many ads. We're going to put a we're going to put a ad break every 10 seconds yeah. or something like that. Like, well, it's really frustrating because I have uh, a vi- I, I'm lucky enough to have a video with one million views on it. And I selfishly made it kind of for myself. It's a playlist of music and it's like the most relaxing Super Nintendo music that I could find and I arranged it in a way where everything kind of flowed together. It took a long time to put together. It wasn't like I sat down and put it together but all at once, but it kind of organically happened. So I'm really, you know, it's something I, I really like and I feel like I had kind of a decent uh, hand in putting together myself. But it got claimed by a million different people <laughs> because it's all. And the big three are Mario, Zelda, and anything from Konami. Yeah. So Mar- Konami, uh, they'll even claim LPs. Like they'll they went after my uh, Gradius three LP from like 2014 that has like 200 views. It's like why are you bothering <laughs> with that? Like who cares? But um, yeah, any sort of Mario, any sort of Zelda, Nintendo's yeah. very protective of that. And Konami properties, Contra's been a problem for me. Uh, yeah, Gradius. What was the other one? There's at least one more. Um, I want to say Turtles in Time. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 different now though. Where at least in my experience, where they're they're not going to be like, uh, you know, we're we're going to suspend your channel. I think that's only if you like upload like a Simpsons thing. Uh, it, or you know something owned by like a disney or you yeah. know fox or whatever uh and you upload like the whole episode or something like that there's there's allowances like i think it's something like you can pretty much get away with anything that's less than like 15 seconds so there's a magic number yeah. there like if i know i'm gonna do a video and i'm gonna use something i'm like i just gotta make sure this clip is like under 19 seconds i can't remember exactly what the number is but there is a magic number huh I didn't know that, but yeah, I, I haven't uploaded enough, uh, you know, Space Ghost or Beavis and Butthead <laughs> clips yet, like I did I, I did in another channel in another lifetime, <laughs> back, way back when, because that's all I would do is just upload, like, clips from Bugs Bunny cartoons that I would use, you know, like, uh, Sylvester the cat hitting that gray bulldog with the umbrella saying, ah, shut up, and that ended up getting, like, 20,000 views. This is, like, 2009. Yeah. And I was so proud of it, and then my and then it got like suspended because yeah. <laughs> I I kept uploading stuff from like Warner Brothers cartoons and you know all this other stuff because I was like oh this is fun I can use this for whatever but nope not anymore but anyway yeah it's always a fun battle uh, <laughs> it, it always feels like it's stressful sometimes I think as long as you talk over uh whatever you're doing and you you and you and you keep the music in the background quiet yeah. enough i think they're okay because i haven't been flagged for like a a review video in a really really long time uh it, i think the last one was like ooh, it was some super mario world thing and every time i upload like some sort of star wars thing or some sort of like disney thing i'm yeah. super paranoid i'm gonna get like oh this is gonna be the one that gets me and I don't get anything. So I think as long as your voice is loud and obnoxious enough <laughs> that it can blast over the uh, the music, then they, they're not going to notice. And the 
their little matching algorithm isn't going to pick it up or maybe i don't know but uh, that's just a, a a guy pontificating i guess no maybe you, you, you said the magic word it's the if you just got to sneak it by the algorithm i've put stuff up that's directly ripping off something and somehow <laughs> made it through i don't know how like I, I do halloween episodes all the time and like they're not they're not for me I, I don't intend to make any revenue from them so i take music directly out of horror movies and like buy the artist throw it in there and whatever happens happens i'm curious to take it back to arcade games i was thinking i didn't really grow up in the arcades both of you guys are a little older than i am i grew up just in time to kind of see them i, I got to see the the dusty outlines of where they used to be in places where I would go when I was a kid. There was a theater in my town. I was like, oh, I guess Arcade used to go here because the carpets faded up to a point. Yeah. Um, but you guys seem like you, you were you know, at least part of or at least near the tail end of the heyday. What are some of your earliest arcade memories, Michael? Do you have any that stick out or any any particular moment or, or period that uh, is fostering this desire for you to fill in your basement with all these machines? Uh, well, again, I, I live on a small island, so the only arcades I can really remember, like, we we didn't have as much as some people did. Like, we'd have a bowling alley that might have, like, an arcade machine in it, or maybe two or three. But if you went to the movies when you were growing up here in Newfoundland, both movie theaters that we had here had big arcades right outside them so anytime you were going to one of the malls or to see a movie you would have to pass by the arcade and it was always something you would look in at and you would say that's really cool and you would walk by until <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out and that was the point where I, I knew that arcade had come out and I wanted to see it so that was when I started wandering into the arcade that was the arcade game that brought me in and then other stuff I started noticing, like uh, WWF Superstars was out already at that time. Then WrestleFest came out a little bit later. That was another one that pulled me in. And then, of course, when the 90s hit and then the fighters came out, Street Fighter, Street Fighter became like a huge thing. We were always going to the arcade, watching the bigger kids play that. You wouldn't even jump on the arcade cabinet because there was, just, there was no point. The bigger kids were constantly there at it. And then Mortal Kombat came out. And that's kind of what pulled me into the arcade and kind of spent my experience at um also uh, my dad used to take me to the mall like every sunday uh then around after that time period after mortal kombat had come out and he collected coins so he would go to this flea market that was held in the mall and go look at coins give me some money and just leave me in the arcade while he was gone doing his hobbies so i spent a lot of time every sunday in the arcades waiting for him to finish up so i've got very fond memories of that and i remember those when i'm in my basement now that's cool that's fantastic i love it i can speak to a few of those uh the number one that uh i can remember it can't be overstated the leap from wwf superstars to WrestleFest yeah. was i mean superstars was awesome enough as it was like it was just cool just you know it was so much more advanced than what you'd see on the nes at the time and uh, you know, and Master System and whatever else was available. And then here comes WrestleFest. Not only do we have like way more wrestlers, but the sprites are huge. And you got Demolition, you got Legion of Doom, you got Mr. Perfect. You got, oh my God, it's, I, that game like just commanded me to come towards it because it was like so freaking just like up it was it was all i was all about at that time it was i was all about pro wrestling i was all about video games when i was like 11 12 like this would have been like 93 94 around that time 
And then um, another big one for me was X-Men. Oh, yeah. four-player cabinet um, at the Minnesota State Fair, where I'm from. Uh, It was always, always, and anybody from Minnesota can attest to this. Uh, if you go to the Penny Arcade at, uh, or what used to be the Penny Arcade, sadly, at uh, the Minnesota State Fair, the X-Men four-player arcade, when you heard that Colossus scream, that, whoa, like that was like a beaconing <laughs> horn that sounded from one side of the fair to the other to summon all kids over to this cabinet <laughs> so you could stand in line and wait for your turn to to play because that cabinet always had a huge crowd around it and then when someone uh there'd usually be some like loser like you know pimple faced like you know somebody from the simpsons like here's your taco <laughs> sir get in line please you know like <laughs> uh one of those kids like just like trying to maintain order at these machines yeah. and you know when when your when your game was up you had to go in the back of the line and the, the line would be legit like seven or eight kids deep and it was super fun and nobody really complained and nobody cared there was no like helicopter parents there was no any sort of like it was just like oh go wander around the arcade for you know an hour we'll meet you back here you know later on today we, whereas you know my dad and my brother would go to the beer garden or whatever and just my brother, you know, would would talk about like, yeah, such and such beer over there, and I got to taste it. It's like, well, yeah, I got to play X Men with like three total strangers <laughs> until I died two minutes later. <laughs> but yeah, and the other one you talked about that that rings true for me is Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like it can't be overstated the impact that had mm-hmm. when that was released. Um, I remember there's a I I I, I blow Travis's mind with. Uh, the name of the bowling alley uh <laughs> that i grew up near was was called wells fargo that's bowling a bank alley. that's a bank alex yeah, it's a bank yeah <laughs> it, sh- it should be a bank but it wasn't it was a bowling alley and it's reeked of crappy cigarettes like parliaments and you know like marble reds you know like it's and jim beam like it was just an awful place but it had cabal it had it eventually got daytona usa i remember and it had terminator 2 um, but they were the first place to have Mortal Kombat, and oh my god, that was an event! Like you were watching the clock on the school clock, you know, every class you were in. It's like, come on, come on, and then you would just like run to Wells Fargo just to watch. It didn't even matter if you didn't get to play; you, it was just to watch and see the fatalities and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome! It, it you can't even, yeah. The, I don't even know what to compare it to now. It, it felt like a concert almost. It was just. Yeah, it's it's. I don't blame you for for doing the arcade thing, man, when it, Michael. I when it when it comes to that, because I have so many great memories of arcades, and I and for me personally, that's what led to uh, my channel moving on eventually. From you know, every Thursday I used to do like Sega Genesis or uh, Game Boy or whatever videos, and now I'm I'm all about finding weird arcade games that I never got to see. Are there any weird, bizarre arcade games that you got to see that stick out that you never, like, maybe you don't know the name of it, or maybe you can only describe it? Are there any of those that are like, I wonder what that was, or what the heck was that game? Oh, and not once. Yeah, there was. Like, uh, do you remember her driving? 
Like it was this tear. I don't even know if that's the right term <laughs> for it. But there was this one where you had to do this. Like it was a 3D driving game. It also came out on Super Nintendo too, where you had to do this loop to loop that nobody could do, and you would always crash your car. I remember that one. And every time I'd walk in the arcade, I'd be like, "Who'd pay to play this? Like it's the worst, the worst driving game ever made." Uh, <laughs> I can't. It, was it hard driving? I can't remember the name of it. Hard driving was was the name of the arcade. Uh, what was the name of the freaking Super Nintendo port? But no, I I used that game as a uh, a uh, as an example, so to speak, where I used uh, people that were complaining about my intro. <laughs> uh to uh and then I, I i spent four minutes spamming comments about people complaining about my intro and then i just said nope it's not worth playing today thanks for watching have a good day goodbye <laughs> and and i picked hard driving for that specific purpose because that game is horrible awful it's a terrible game yeah uh for super nintendo but i have good news for you there is a fellow out there from brazil named vitor Villela. And this guy is a, he might be a legitimate genius. I don't know. But he uh, has taken upon himself to improve as many Super Nintendo games as he can with the use of this weird hackery where he adds an extra processor chip to each of these games. And he did it to that game and he sped it up a ton. In fact, I'm going to see if I can find some footage where he compares the original to what he ended up doing to it because it is fantastic. Um, because the original, like you said, it goes like, it's like freaking five frame, not even five frames a second. Yeah. It's, it's pathetic. And even the arcade game was bad. Oh, yeah. but what this guy was, Oh, it, it's called race driving on super Nintendo. I'm sorry, but yeah, it's yeah. called hard driving in the arcade. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find, I'll post it in the chat, but yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious because he made it like a thousand times better, and as a result, the the game is over in like ninety seconds because you you drive so fast. <laughs> wow, that's what this guy does like for fun. He's like, oh, this game sucks. Let's make it better. He even does the loop de loop like like nothing. Whereas in the original, you hit that loop de loop, it's over. It's over. He missed that's... the barn. I've never missed the barn, huh? <laughs> That's I get a lot of a lot of time for people doing stuff like that. Uh, I I had an ongoing joke on my channel for years that I really don't like the game Amagon because uh, Pat the NES Punk did a review of it and I watched it and I thought it looked pretty good so I rushed out and got a copy as soon as I could because I was afraid the price was going to go up and started playing it and I was like oh this is awful so I always make jokes about Amagon <laughs> and uh, someone actually took initiative to get in contact with somebody. And they fixed some of the problems with Amagon and then sent me this updated Amagon ROM that fixed the problems with the continuing and let you get later in the game. And it's a much better experience. I mean, it's still Amagon, but it's a little bit better. Amagon, you know that one, don't you, Trav? Yeah, I, I did review that one. I, I agree with Michael. It is garbage. I would like to see how they fixed it. I, I've got the I've got the ROM somewhere, so I could probably send that to you, Trav. No problem. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd love to yeah. check that out. That'd be great. Is that the one with the guy in where he turns into like a muscle bound dude? That's yeah, he one. has like a, it's like an altered beast caveman yeah. game. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, it's oh, kind of silly. It, it, it's not a bad premise. It's just super duper hard. 
Yeah, it's punishing. It's punishing in more ways than one because, like, it's hard, but also, like, it's the same music over and over again. And apparently, if you can get far enough in the game, I think it's, like, the fifth level, they they actually have a different uh, stage music, and apparently it's great. Like, unreal, good stage music. So it's one of those games that you just... You guys know my buddy uh, Mike Tendo, right? Like, dude, you haven't played this game. I don't know if you know him or not, but he actually—I know the channel. Yeah, yeah. he actually uh, he reviewed it uh, this past year, and I remember uh, he didn't really know what it was, and like we had gone back and forth joking about it for years, and then he kept writing me when he was trying to record gameplay. <laughs> he was like, "I got, I got frustrated. Like, it's the first game I ever had to use save states, game genie, everything, just to try to get through it for the review." <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's punishing. All right. All right, Michael. We know you're a big wrestling fan. We got to talk some wrestling here. All right. Real quick. Where did you start with it? Were you an NWA guy, WWF guy? Are you a big Bret Hart guy since you're from Canada? How? how where do you sit on the fence there? I started with uh, WWF. Uh, we didn't have access to NWA here originally, or at least I didn't know how to get it when I was a really young kid. So um, I was a big WWF guy. I started watching wrestling right around that WrestleMania three period. Um, I oh yeah, so wow. that's a good area, a good era. And uh, I very at a very young age, I think I was the only kid on the road that didn't love Hulk Hogan. I always had more of a more of a thing for the heels. So <laughs> I followed the heels at a young age, so I was a Macho Man <laughs> Randy Savage awesome. fan. And uh, yes, I'll never forget. Um, Going into WrestleMania 4, we couldn't get the pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, I knew Savage had a chance to win the title, but I I was like, there's no way he's going to win the title. I didn't understand it was a tournament. I thought it was like a battle royal, and I was like, oh, he's too small. And then we actually found out in the newspaper, like the day after, that Randy Savage had won the title. And, like, I, I lost it. It was the best day of my life. And I'll never forget, <laughs> like, I, I bought that Dude, bought that WrestleMania 4 VHS, and I still have it, the one that opens up. Like, oh. Awesome. It's like two tapes, isn't it? Because yep. it's so long. Yeah. It was a uh, little over four hours total. And uh, that, oh my God. I, I love tournaments, too. So, like, uh, that became yeah. a big thing, too. Like, when they started doing King of the Ring, like, I was in my glee. I love a good tournament. Dude, I, it's funny you say that because um, my brother tells me, uh, and I am I was too young for WrestleMania 3. I would have been in kindergarten, I think. Or, no, I would it would have been, WrestleMania 3 was, like, 87 so I yeah I would have been just turning five at that point but my brother was already in grade school he would have been like third grade fourth grade around then and he says in the morning announcements at his elementary school and they're when they say they the lunch menu and all that he says to end the announcements that morning he said and in case you missed it last night Hulk Hogan defeated Andre the Giant to retain the WWF championship. And he, my brother swears to this day that he could hear the whole school like, yeah, like cheer. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could have been there for that. That sounds awesome. But that's how big of a deal it was when when it was back then. It was such a match, massive deal. And... Yeah, I, I love that. That's where you started. That's pretty cool. Yeah, oh, and what a good age, too. Like, the LGN, like, rubber superstar wrestlers is... I, I still have them, <laughs> my kid wrestlers, and the ring, the cage, all that stuff. So, 
Yeah, that was a really good era. Nice. I did get into NWA later. I had a babysitter who had a boyfriend that came over. I don't think he was supposed to be there, but he liked distracting <laughs> me because he would bring over tapes of like NWA and I was fascinated with it. I was like, who's this guy, Terry Funk and Ric Flair? I, I didn't know them at the time because I'd grown up completely with WWF. So uh, it was fun finding out about this whole other um you know, wrestling world outside of WWF. And I became quickly enamored with NWA and WCW and the early WCW years, even the bad stuff, the Jim Hurd years where they were doing the stupid stuff <laughs> where you couldn't jump off the top rope. Like, I love that era of wrestling. Like, uh, the Dangerous Alliance with Polly, Polly Dangerously is like my favorite era of WCW. I don't know why, but Dude, I love was- it. That was good stuff, though. Yeah. That was like Rick Rude, Arn Anderson. Uh, that was when that was during when Flair was in WWF, I think. Yeah. So they had to do something with those guys. And yeah, that was when Rick Rude was like a big deal. They made him like a main event guy and stuff like that. So that that's that's some good times there. Rick Rude should have been a main event guy. Rick Rude was the only person who was capable of making Ultimate Warrior have a good match in WWF. So I mean, <laughs> Rick Rude is clearly the best wrestler in the entire world. <laughs> Oh, boy. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks for dial- dialing us back to the uh, 80s wrestling. It's always a good podcast when we can get there. We we need we need more 80s wrestling on this podcast. We don't have enough of it. I agree. Clearly, Clearly not. Yeah. Hey, Michael, do you still keep up with it at all? Yes. I, I still watch wrestling. I got really disenfranchised with uh, current wrestling there a couple of years ago. Like uh, The WWE stuff is just so hard to watch now. And it's not because I want to be one of these smart guys that like, oh, they don't do this and Vince is out of touch. I don't really care about that. I just find it not fun anymore. I don't have fun watching. Stuff happens mm-hmm. that I find to be torturous and not enjoyable. I, I want like stupid stuff to happen. I want it to be fun. I want it to be enjoyable. I don't want it to be so systematic that I know what's going to happen every single time I turn on my TV. But you know what's going to happen. And it's so long and boring and I'm not a negative guy, but I can't help. I stopped watching. I was just like, I, I don't have time to dedicate three hours every Monday night into something that's not making me happy when there's a million different things I could be doing with my time, especially now that I'm a dad and I don't have as much time as I used to. So I stopped watching WWF and then AEW came around. And I, I don't think it's the best wrestling in the entire world, but I have fun watching it. And it reminds me so much of like... WCW in 1995 where you would turn it on and you never knew what was going to happen and it was kind of stupid but it was still fun so uh, that's kind of got me back in I've been watching a lot of that and uh, I've been watching a lot of NXT too NXT is a lot of fun so I like the fact that there's options out there again and we have different things Mm. to watch that's that's I love the comparison to WCW 95 because that was such a fun time uh, where it wasn't always the best but you never knew what was around the corner it's like Okay, the announcers are talking about the main event guys, but meanwhile, here comes Psychosis, and he's going to face Dean Malenko. Like, what? what? <laughs> it's like an eight-minute match. It's a great match. It's entertaining. There's high spots and stuff. And then the next match is like, uh, you know, Jerry Flynn versus, you know, some other big stiff guy, and it's just... <laughs> I think I'm coming around at AEW. I might have to check it out. If if that's the comparison, then I'm all aboard because that sounds fun. It, it is fun. Like uh, you, you nailed it right off the head. I remember watching some pay-per-views and you'd be tuning in 
for the main event, which was just a snore fest, probably Hulk Hogan versus somebody in a very slow match. And then your first match on the card would be like Rey Mysterio, who you never heard of before versus, uh, right. versus psychosis. And then the finish is he counters a razor's edge off the top rope into a hurricanrana <laughs> for the finish. And you're like, Oh my God, I've never even seen this before. So it's just really yeah. fun and unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I might have to come around on that. But like you said, there's there's only so much time I yeah. have during the day to to dedicate to that stuff. And there all the sh- all those shows are all so long. But yeah, it sounds like fun. Yeah, Shaq wrestled last week. Shaq, and it was the stupidest thing I ever watched, but I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like to hear. I want it to be stupid. Yeah, hell yeah, perfect. Uh, well, I think we're about ready to close it out here. I did want to mention one last thing here, though. I know earlier in the episode, Alex mentioned, boy, he'd really like to have a dual light gun set up for his one-up arcade. If that ever came out, he'd get it. And I got good news, Alex. They got a big... It exists. They got a big buck Hunter Pro cabinet out there. <laughs> it comes with big buck Safari. You can get big buck, big buck Hunter Pro open season, and it also comes with big buck Safari Outback. So, buddy, I think I think you have your, your cabinet. Do what now? Uh, they got Big Buck Hunter. Yeah, you shoot the bucks. It says avoid the does. You have to pump and reload after every shot. I don't see how you can't get this. Dude, I, I'm pretty sure every dive bar in the country had freaking Big Buck Hunter, some version of it. That or Golden Tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and ne- next to the dart board, so you'd always get some stray darts coming at your screen. <laughs> so, yeah. Now you never have to go back to those places again. You can have that in the comfort of your own <laughs> I want to go. I, I need stale cigarette smoke. <laughs> I need uh, I need spilled Miller Lite. No, I need sp- uh, spilled uh, freaking Schlitz. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I need... I, I need I need bush light, you know. I need I need the smell of you know bad cologne and bad perfume. I need all those things to complete the experience of of Buck Hunter. They need to make a cabinet that emits emits those smells, <laughs> so that it combines can, them all yeah. into one miasma. There you go. Yes, that would be excellent. Well, I thought I thought you'd like it, but it sounds like you're making fun of it. So thank you. Okay. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're, you're going too far with your straight man act here, Chad. Ch- I almost called you Chad. Trav. Wow. Wow. Not my name. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 might, I might be able to cheer you up a little bit. Uh, coming out this year, there is an X-Men arcade one upcoming out. And <gasps> on top of that, it also is Wi-Fi enabled. So it's the four-player X-Men. But it's Wi-Fi enabled, so if you have four people playing with you there, and then you connect with two other people, like myself and somebody else that has it, you can play six-player X-Men on this cabinet Whoa. over Wi-Fi. So, okay. Here's hoping they have, like, lobbies and stuff like that. Yeah, to they set do. That up, they do. Otherwise, that would... That- Okay, that's that sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, they they started with the Wi-Fi cabs. There's an NBA Jam is Wi-Fi, so like every time I pop on, someone can jump in and join games, and we can play against each other. And they also came out with Marvel versus Capcom and X Men versus Street Fighter last year, and those are Wi-Fi enabled too. So like, if I'm bored later tonight, I can go down, hop on to X Men versus Street Fighter, and wait to see if someone wants to come take me Ryu and Wolverine on and come get these claws. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome that sounds so freaking fun man right on thanks for coming on michael we really appreciate your your insight and your expertise on especially when it comes to the one-up cabinet stuff i think people are really curious about those yeah it, 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 just be careful it becomes addictive <laughs>
All right, everyone, that has been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We'll respond eventually or read it here. Uh, Sorry we're slow. Please head over to polymedianetwork.com if you want to hear more podcasts. We got Tales of the Lesser Medium out there. We got that new Half-Life series that just came out, which is pretty funny, so please check it out. We got Petey's Power Hour. She'll tell you all you need to know about drinking. We got Polykill if you're into just dudes talking about beating video games. And there's IndieQuest and more. And if you're not interested in sending us an email, since it takes us like six months to get to it, that's no big deal. Just give us a rating and a review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us up big time. You can find us all on social media. On Twitter, I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is, of course, over there at SNES Drunk. You can find Mike at MikeBGameGenie. And as always... (laughs) If I'm not doing Hetfield, I get rattled. As always, the music you heard in the beginning and are hearing right now was composed by our friend Coolor. And the track you hear is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find more of his music on the Buzzsprout Podcast page. And shout out, as usual, to Josh Leslie for our fir- thirst, first thirst quenching, quenching logo. All right. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. Flawlessly read, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 